Welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. I'm your host, Jay Sahoda, and Happy New Year to everyone as this is the first episode of 2021 and we can finally put 2020 to rest. Hope everyone had a safe and great holidays. And with that, the 2020 NFL regular season is officially over. There were a good amount of people who didn't think we would ever get through a 17-week season prior to September, and there weren't a lot of people who thought we would have a season at all. But the NFL went on as scheduled, no fans at most stadiums, strict COVID protocols for all teams, and it wasn't pretty at times, and it still is a problem to this day. But here we are, 256 games in the books, and it's time for some January playoff football. Can't wait, wildcard weekend, two extra wildcard games this year. We'll get to all that later on in this episode. Speaking of today's episode, what we have on top today, we will have our last 49er game recap as we recap the 49er Seahawks game in the 49ers season finale. We'll recap the rest of week 17, break down the open head coaching vacancies for the teams that will be searching for a new head coach in January. And lastly, we will preview all six wild card games coming up this weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Boy, it's going to be fun. So before we get to the week 17 results and we start breaking down all the wild card matchups and all that. The 49ers had a football game in week 17 in their regular season finale. They played the Seattle Seahawks in this one. Obviously, the 49ers were eliminated prior in week 15. So these last two games, they didn't have much to play for. But obviously, this 49ers Seahawks game is much different from how it was a year ago in week 17 when they were playing on Sunday Night Football for the NFC West Division Championship. And it was a game that 49er fans will never forget. The Dre Greenlaw stop at the goal line on Jacob Hollister. I mean... Just there was so much on the line in that game. And honestly, personally, I think that was one of my favorite 49er games of all time that I've watched in my lifetime. It was amazing to see that with so much at stake, so much on the line, so much meaning. But this year, things were a little different. The 49ers were out of it. There's a whole bunch of guys that were missing this game. But the Niners went out there and put their best foot forward. The Niners lost this game 26-23. to The game was 6-6 at halftime. It took a little bit of time to get the offense going, but it wasn't until late in the second quarter C.J. Beathard hit Richie James on a deep route, and that kind of jump-started the offense. And the Niners were up by 10 late in the third quarter, but it was only a matter of time that Russell Wilson was going to do what Russell Wilson does and that he always does against the 49ers. I've seen the same, I've seen the same act for the, last, for the last nine years. Russell Wilson comes back, beats the 49ers, does his heroics, and they went in the fourth quarter, scored three straight touchdowns on three straight drives. So that was it. But the Niners went out there. They played a hard-fought game. That's all you can ask. But all in all, I won't talk too much about the 49ers in this game recap. I will do an episode next week where we will talk about and break down the entirety of the 49ers 2020 season and have an offseason lookout and all that. But, I mean, you you got to applaud their effort in these in these last two games. The Niners could have had this one. They did beat Arizona, pretty much eliminated the Cardinals, considering they didn't even make the playoffs. But it was a great game overall. This defense, you know, they battled in what could have been Robert Sala's final game as our defensive coordinator. The offense went out there, made plays. But overall, you know, it would have been nice to win on a good note, but they went and put their best foot forward against a great Seahawks team that's been playing really good of late. But 
I don't know if anyone else was kind of tripped out in this game, but I was a bit tripped out because this game was very different than any other game because it was in a neutral site, obviously, because the Niners were playing their home games in Glendale. But it was a neutral site, and then the Niners were wearing their white road uniforms. And then the red zone, or the end zones rather, just had a red stripe right through it. And you could see the Fiesta Bowl logo and the Iowa State and Oregon logos in the end zones showing. It was so strange. I mean, I don't know who and the field crew and what they were doing exactly, but it was weird. And I was tripped out. I was like, is this, this is supposed to be a 49ers home game. This is so strange. We're not playing in Levi Stadium. We're not wearing red. It was super strange. Having said that, if anyone was wondering why the 49ers were wearing the road whites yesterday, they were actually supposed to wear the all-white alternate throwback uniforms. But apparently the story is they were only supposed to bring the home and the road jerseys to Arizona when they moved from Santa Clara to Arizona. So that is why they had to wear the the road whites opposed to the all whites. But anyways, to the game. The 49ers on the day, 17 first downs, 6 for 15 on third downs, 1 for 1 on fourth downs. Again, it took them a little bit time to really get the offense going. But once they got started late in the second quarter, they got into a good rhythm until C.J. Beathard just could not finish it late. 86 rushing yards on the day. Jeff Wilson, another day, he just balled out for this team. And I certainly hope the Niners are able to re-sign Jeff Wilson at the end of the season. 242 passing yards on the day. C.J. Beathard, another decent game for him. 328 total yards overall. So the Niners were able to move the ball against a pretty good Seahawks defense that has gotten better you know, week after week. But the Niners were really able to move the ball down the field. They really put a great effort on offense and defense, but it just wasn't enough to take down Russell Wilson. Defense had two sacks. The Niners, one turnover late in the game. They didn't throw an interception. You know, it's it, it, was, a, it was a great game overall. It would have been nice if the Niners ended with a win, but it is what it is. They won the time of possession, 32 minutes to 27 minutes. So statistically, the Niners did a pretty good job. They just weren't able to finish later on in that game as the Niners, or the Seahawks ended up scoring three straight touchdowns on three straight drives. To the individual stats, C.J. Beathard, 25 for 37, 273 yards, a touchdown and no picks. I think C.J. Beathard made a really good case to stay on this team. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions in his two games. He beat Arizona, almost beat Seattle. Today, that's all you can ask from C.J. Beathard. And Nick Mullins gave the Niners a chance too. He just did not... He did not take advantage of the opportunities late in the game to help this team win. Because if we had beaten... If the Niners had beaten Washington and Dallas, that era, and we beat Arizona, that Seattle game could have gone much differently. But that's not how it went. But I think C.J. Beathard made a pretty good case to stay on this team. He played very good in those two games, especially not throwing an interception. I mean, I don't think we could ask for more after Nick Mullins threw more than two or two interceptions a game. It was just too much to handle. Jeff Wilson, 20 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. I already talked about Jeff Wilson. When this guy's had his opportunity, he's balled out, and I hope the 49ers re-sign him. I think him and Mostert are going to be phenomenal next year if they can stay healthy. Kendrick Bourne, five catches for 76 yards. That's another guy I hope the Niners re-sign. We didn't get a chance to, to see Ayuk, Debo, and Bourne together this year healthy. At the same time, I think the only time that happened was in Week 6 against the Rams. 
And we're able to see that next year. And really, not even just a receiver, the whole team. I think that's the main thing is when this team is healthy, this is a dangerous team. And Kendrick Bourne, I think he's a guy that the Niners do need to bring back at the receiving corp. George Kittle, seven catches, 68 yards. Honestly, I just want to take a minute to just shut out Kyle Shanahan here. You know, forget what the rest of us were saying about, you know, we should rest them and sit them and whatever. We have nothing to play for. Thank you, Coach Shanahan. Thank you. Because by him playing George Kittle, he was phenomenal to watch in week 16 and week 17. I mean, we all know George Kittle's George Kittle, and we all know he's the best tight end in football, and we all know what he could do when, when he gets the ball in space. You know, he's an animal, and he just creates plays, and it's a, he's impossible to take down. But man, that one-handed grab in that game yesterday, my goodness. I mean, George Kittle is just an absolute monster, and it was just so entertaining when we have nothing to play for that at least we got to see 85 on the field. And I don't know if everyone saw this picture, but it was made its way around Twitter of pretty much 90% of the 49ers starting lineup sitting in the press box. Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams were all sitting in the press box. I mean, that's, that is the really, if you want to know what happened to the 49ers this year, just look at that picture. That's the story. Our starting lineup is sitting in the press box instead of playing on the football field. So with that being said, to see 85 on the football field and making him make the plays that he was, was just really fun to watch, even though we were out of it. So I'm glad we got to see George Kittle in those last two games, and I'm glad that Kyle Shanahan decided to bring him back. Richie James, three catches, 66 yards. Richie James is another guy. When you get him the ball in space, he can make plays, and he did just that. He had that deep ball from C.J. Beathard that really got the offense started. So, Richie James, that's another guy who had a kind of an underrated season and took advantage of his opportunities when he got them. So, to the kicker situation, Robbie Gold obviously struggled against Arizona. He got re-signed during the season, but shortly after that, he was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. So, who was going to kick for the 49ers? Tristan Vizcaino. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that name correctly. Three for three on the day. I mean, he was great. This was his first NFL game he's played. He was he was fantastic. I mean, why couldn't we re-sign him last year instead of Chase McLaughlin, who cost us a game? That would have been fantastic. But you know what? This guy went out there, played a great game, but Robbie Gold's going to be back next year. But hey, Tristan, it's a hell of a game. To the defense, Fred Warner, Jason Verrett both had eight tackles. The defense was very good, and they played... Very hard for Robert Sala, not even just this game, but all season long. And I'm just going to take a little, you know, few seconds here to just say this. The Jets, Atlanta, Houston, Detroit, you know, the, the Chargers, anyone who needs a head coach. Hire Robert Sala. This guy coached a horrific defense in 2018. Turned it into the number one defense in all of football in 2019. Had injuries derailed this defense all year. This defense was still top 10. Robert Sala is a fantastic leader. A fantastic person. I could go on and on about why Robert Sala should be your guy. Kyle Shanahan summed it up best in his press, in his press conference after the game yesterday and said, You would have to be dumb to not hire Robert Sala. And Kyle Shanahan also went on to say that I hope... 
that every team that needs a head coach is dumb enough to not choose Robert Sala so that we get him back for another year. Robert Sala also mentioned a few weeks ago that, hey, worst case, if I don't get a job, I'm coming back and I get to coach Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. I don't think that's a bad gig. Heck yeah, that's not a bad gig. Listen, I would love to have Robert Sala back. I think he was amazing. I'm not going to lie. After 2018, I was one of those people that were saying, "Mm, I don't know, maybe we should look for another defensive coordinator. But after what Robert Sala has done in 2019 and this season, what he did was absolutely remarkable to change a defense that was literally Swiss cheese in 2018 into a defense that was immortal in 2019 and was very, very stingy in 2020 considering all the injuries. Robert Sala's your guy. And I know there's a lot of decent, you know, head coaching candidates out there. And I know everyone's, you know, fascinated by the young guys in college. But Robert Sala, man. I mean, hey, if, if you don't want Robert Sala, sure. I mean, I'll t- I will gladly take another year with that healthy defense. But if not... I would be very, very happy for Robert Sala wherever he goes. I would root for him, hope for the best, but we'll see where he ends up later on in this month. So that's it for the 49ers season. 6-10, and 10, finishing last place in the NFC West. Overall, just an absolutely tough season overall, but we will properly wrap up the 49ers 2020 season when next week when I do the 49ers 2020 recap episode and we'll break down how the season went, the positives, the negatives, who had a great season, who didn't have a great season, and of course, look ahead to the offseason. Of course, a lot of questions heading into this offseason for the San Francisco 49ers. But 6-10, and 10, they looks like they're going to get the 12th pick in the draft. But listen, it was a tough season for the 49ers. But if this core stays together, I truly believe the San Francisco 49ers will be back to their playoff potential and championship potential next season. I'm looking forward to it. I hate the offseason. I hate that we're not playing in January this year, but it is what it is. So on to the rest of Week 17 around the NFL and taking a look at the Week 17 results. A lot on the line for a lot of these teams in the AFC and NFC needed to win to get into the postseason. So a lot at stake on Sunday, and let's get right to it, with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins needed a win to get in. The Bills needed a win to clinch the two-seed in the AFC. And what happened in this game? With the playoffs on the line for the Dolphins, they lose by 30 points. The Bills absolutely demolished the Dolphins 56-26. The Bills have not scored over 50 points since the 60s. Even with the starters benched at halftime. The Bills still dominated this game and sent the Dolphins packing right back to Miami. Tua threw three interceptions and hopefully he will learn from this experience while the Bills get ready to host their first playoff game in 25 years next week. But man, what a lost opportunity for Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. But I think people still have to remember they're still a young football team. And a loss like that and an opportunity like that you can only hope that they will take that experience and move on to next year and remember what it was like because this was almost like a playoff game for the Dolphins and it almost felt like they just didn't, they did it didn't hit them that it's like, we need to win, we're in the playoffs. And to go out there and get smacked by a Bills team that realistically didn't have much to play for. I mean, I know that the two seed's great and all, but realistically, they already clinched the division, they're already in. 
you know, what do they have to lose? And then the Bills went out there and just ran the Dolphins out of Orchard Park. I mean, it's it, it's crazy. There's going to be a lot of questions about Tua. I know that I still think Tua has a lot to learn. He hasn't had a lot of reps in the NFL and is a great football player. And next year, he will get that those full reps. And hopefully, an actual proper offseason training, training camp, and a preseason to help him get better. Because I think people forget, these rookies didn't have that last season. So that definitely takes a toll. And they haven't learned everything. And they haven't gotten those reps. So... The Dolphins are still a young football team. I think they have a great future ahead. The Baltimore Ravens, another team that needed to win and they're in. Well, they cruised their way to their third straight playoff berth with a 38-3 shellacking of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Ravens ran the ball down the Bengals' throat for 400 yards on the ground as they rolled their way to victory. And they will be the five seed in the playoffs. Ravens look really good right now. Sticking things in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns. If they win, they're in, they lose, their playoff drought extends to 19 years. Cleveland fans, rejoice. The 18-year drought is over. The longest active playoff drought in the NFL of 18 years is officially over. The Browns went from a few years removed from going 0-16 to making the NFL playoffs. Congratulations, Cleveland. It has been a long, long time, a long time coming. And to clinch that playoff berth at home in front of your fans, glad that some fans got to be in the stadium for that moment. A huge, huge moment for the Cleveland Browns. As for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've now lost four out of their last five. But for the Browns and the Steelers, they will not have to wait long till they meet again because that's the matchup on wildcard weekend. Cleveland We'll go to Pittsburgh on Wildcard Weekend. We'll break down that game later on in the episode. And ironically, Cleveland's last time in the playoffs was in 2002 was at Pittsburgh where they lost in that game 36-33. to So here we are 18, 18 years later, history repeating itself. The Vikings beat the Lions 37-35 in a meaningless game. Patriots also beat the Jets 28-14 in a meaningless game. Big offseason for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots ahead. The Jets fired Adam Gase after the game. The New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. The winner of that game would need a Washington loss to Philadelphia to clinch the NFC East. Big game here, but it was the Giants that won this football game, had their playoff hopes alive after that game. They had to stay up. And watch the Washington game on Sunday night. Because if the Eagles won, the Giants would be in. If Washington wins, they're in. So the Cowboys eliminated from the NFC East. But the Giants, you know, it's it's been a rough go. And if the Giants just won some of those games, maybe they wouldn't need to rely on Washington losing in this game. But overall, good season for the Giants. They'll grow. Joe Judge, I think, did a pretty decent job with that team. But they need more talent. But having said that, did the Giants get in? Well, it had to come down to Sunday Night Football. Game 256, Washington and Philadelphia. The Washington football team held on 20-14 to in a bizarre ending, ending the New York Giants season. Again, Giants, great season. They're a young football team. I believe they'll grow next year under Joe Judge. But this game was wild, the Washington Eagles game. I mean, sure, Washington needed to win to get in. Eagles win, the Giants get in. But Jalen Hurts, who's taken over as the starter for Philadelphia, Carson Wentz got benched. Carson Wentz wasn't even active in this game. Jalen Hurts starts this game, scores two rushing touchdowns, keeps the Eagles in this game. 
had over 70 passing yards, 30-plus rushing yards, and then gets benched in the fourth quarter for Nate Sudfeld. How, like, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were mind-boggled on the broadcast. Giants fans were furious. Eagles fans, I don't know what they were thinking, but Jalen Hurts wasn't happy. I'm sure the rest of the Eagles players weren't very happy. I don't know what kind of message they're trying to send to the rest of the team. And if you're going to stand up on, on the podium, Doug Peterson is, obviously you're not going to go out there and say, yeah, we tried to lose this game. No, what kind of message are you sending to the team? But the team's not dumb. I have no idea if they were trying to intentionally lose that game, but from a spectator watching what I watched yesterday, I have zero clue where they were where they were pulling some of these plays in that fourth quarter. It didn't look like they were trying to win that game. Sudfeld takes the snap, runs to the right, throws it away. I was like, what like are you guys trying to ruin Washington season or are you trying to ruin the Giants season? Like I'm so confused as to what's going on here. You should play to win the game. And it didn't look like from a spectator's point of view the Eagles were trying to win that football game. I don't know what the heck happened there. That was a pretty ugly mess up. But to have that happen on Sunday Night Football is a bit of an embarrassing look for the Philadelphia Eagles. Having said that, the race for the NFC East is over. And the Washington football team are the NFC East champions. Congratulations to Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. But what an amazing story. I mean, a team that doesn't even have a mascot. They're literally called the football team. Ron Rivera, I personally love Ron Rivera. Loved him when he was with Carolina. Great guy, great head coach. I think he's one of the best in the business. Fought with cancer earlier this season. Still managed to coach through all 16 games. Amazing story there. To keep the good feels rolling, Alex Smith coming back from almost getting his leg amputated last year comes back to start in the NFL this season. I mean, it's pretty much done that he's comeback player of the year. I mean, the moment he sh- he came in that game against the Rams, he was comeback player of the year. But what an unbelievable story for him and Ron Rivera to lead Washington to the playoffs and an extremely talented young defense. I mean, it's really, Washington's a good football team. I think if they focus in the offseason on getting some talent on offense, Washington could be a decent team for years to come. So the NFC East is done. Washington wins it at 7-9. and nine. They will host the playoff game next weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lock up the 5 seed in the NFC by dominating the Falcons 44-27. to Bucks keep it rolling. The New Orleans Saints, they needed a win and a Packers loss to clinch the number 1 seed. They crushed the Panthers 33-7. to They did their part. The Saints did not have any running backs available in this game due to COVID. So Kamara, Latavius Murray, the rest of the crew all out in this game. Ty Montgomery, ex-Packer, had to be switched to running back. Played pretty good in this game. And the running back situation didn't matter much because the Panthers got destroyed by the Saints. And what happened in the Packers game, that obviously determined whether the Saints will play on wildcard weekend or a divisional weekend. And the Packers beat the Bears, so the Saints will host on wildcard weekend. Another great season for the Saints, but I think Saints fans know The playoffs is where it matters, and it's now or never for the New Orleans Saints this year. Big, big game next weekend. The Green Bay Packers defeated the Chicago Bears 35-16. A lot on the line in this one. The Bears win. They're in. Packers win. They get home field throughout and the bye week in the NFC. Packers won, so they will get next weekend off. And the NFC playoffs will go through Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. I would not want to go there in January, but it looks like... You want to go to the Super Bowl? Got to go through Lambeau. 
while the Bears, even though they lost, they're still in the playoffs because the Rams won. Speaking of those Rams, beat the Cardinals 18-7. to Both both quarterbacks for Arizona and LA did not play in this game. Kyler Murray tried to give it a go. Wasn't enough. Wasn't able to play. And Sean McVay just continues to have his way against the Cardinals as he remains unbeaten versus Arizona as a head coach. John Wolford made his NFL debut. I had no idea who this guy was a week ago. Did just enough, plus a great defensive performance, to send the Rams to the wildcard weekend for the third time in the Sean McVay era while the Cardinals' season is over. Tough one. The Cardinals, I can tell, they grew a little bit, but they got a little more growing to get to the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans needed a win to get the AFC South Division title for the first time since 2008, and in dramatic fashion. What a game. Typical Tennessee Titans ending here. Took a field goal in the dying seconds, doinked off the upright and in to send the Titans to wildcard weekend where they will host a playoff game. What a ball game. The Titans, AFC South champions for the first time since 2008. Congratulations to Mike Vrabel's squad. The Indianapolis Colts needed a win and a Tennessee loss. Tennessee won, so the Colts win. They get a wildcard spot because the Dolphins lost. Colts took care of business. They beat the Jaguars 28-14, led by Jonathan Taylor, who's really turned it on late here as the Colts are in the playoffs. Congratulations to Frank Reich, Phillip Rivers, and Crow. And my guy, DeForest Buckner, representing Go Defoe. Happy for the guy. Happy gets in the playoffs. Hopefully he can do some damage next weekend. Chargers and the Raiders also got wins against the Chiefs and Broncos in meaningless games. So that is it for Week 17. The wild card matchups are set and we will get to that segment in just a bit. But before we get to that segment, we are going to do a new segment on today's episode where we will look at the coaching vacancies that will open up. Of course, it is Black Monday. Coaches have gotten fired. New teams are trying to hire new coaches. So I'm going to look at every single team that has a head coaching vacancy. I picked out a possible candidate that I think is good and what they need to look for in this coaching search. So the Houston Texans, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Los Angeles Chargers all need a head coach. Bill O'Brien obviously got fired earlier in the year. Same with Matt Patricia, same with Dan Quinn. Adam Gase, Doug Marone, Anthony Lynn all got fired after Sunday's game. So starting with the Houston Texans, I have said they need to get rid of Bill O'Brien years ago. Apparently didn't work until this year. It's pretty cut and clear. I know the Texans had a brutal season and Romeo Cornell is a great coach, but he's very old. But he's a he's a great coach and he's done a lot for the game and you know we get that. But the Texans, they have what it takes. And it's it's so unfortunate because if they just didn't trade DeAndre Hopkins, they would be Super Bowl contenders right now. Yes, the Houston Texans would be Super Bowl contenders if they just did not trade DeAndre Hopkins. So this is what the Texans need to look for. An offensive-minded coach who can elevate Deshaun Watson's game and they need a GM, of course, as well, that can help Deshaun Watson get a solid supporting cast. Because this defense, this defense is not is not terrible. This is a def- it's a, they need some retooling here and there, but they're not a bad defense. But Deshaun Watson is elite. And even in a down season that they had this year, he still did a lot of great things. And Brandon Cooks is, you know, eh. Will Fuller's pretty good. Randall Cobb's pretty good. But they had that guy in DeAndre Hopkins, and they, they need a guy like that again. Look, look at Buffalo. 
Buffalo was really good a year ago, but they were just missing that one guy on offense. They go out, they get Stephon Diggs, and look at them now. That's what the Texans need to do is just get that guy. And man, Bill O'Brien screwed them over so badly. In my opinion, this was my top candidate for Houston like way back in the season, but I think Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, would fit perfectly with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's done absolute wonders with Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson is an incredible quarterback. You pair Eric Bieniemy with Deshaun Watson, I think the Houston Texans will be in great hands. I think that's the guy the Texans need to nail down. Another guy you could possibly get is maybe a Brian Dable. He's done great things with Buffalo. But I think Eric Bieniemy and Deshaun Watson would be a perfect match. On to the Detroit Lions. I kind of made my case earlier in this episode with Robert Sala. But the Lions need consistency, stability, and culture. And it's kind of ironic because they had Jim Caldwell who did all of those things. He was consistent. They had a set culture. But for some weird reason, they fired him. They were in the race for the division, not even just a wild card race. They were there fighting the Packers for a division title. I think it was 2016, but they fired him. I talked about Robert Sala earlier and how much he knows about culture from being a part of the 49ers because he came in with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in 2017 and they completely changed around the culture of the San Francisco 49ers organization. Robert Sala is the kind of guy that you need in that house and I think that's the guy that the Lions are eyeing down. I think Biennemi could be pretty decent with Matthew Stafford as well. But the Lions need more than to just elevate that game. The Lions need a true, consistent culture change. Detroit, the Detroit Lions have not been good for, I don't know how long. Like, they were they were decent when they had, you know, Calvin Johnson and Stafford. And, you know, they were good. And Indomitian Sue was there back in, like, the, you know, 2011, 2012 days. But they haven't been, like, really good. Like, the Bears were pretty good a few years ago. They had an amazing defense. The Vikings have been really good at times. The Packers have ruled this division for majority of the last era with Aaron Rodgers. But the Lions have never gotten there. They need a true culture guy. I like my guy Robert Sala. But another possible guy could be Anthony Lynn. But I still don't think that that's what they need. I like my guy Robert Sala in Detroit. Atlanta. This is a team that could go either two ways. You could revolve around... Matt Ryan, although he doesn't have many years left, you know, and try to revive the Falcons, or you could just go on a flat-out rebuild. I think Atlanta could go two ways here. I think keeping a guy like Raheem Morris, who's a bit younger, the consistency's there, might not be a bad choice. I know the guy who I kind of like is Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator of Washington. I think that's a decent guy to bring in. He did a pretty good job with the Raiders. I'd be kind of interested to see what they do. But the Falcons have a decision to make. Do they want to go rebuild? Or they do want to give it one last go with Matt Ryan? And I think that kind of depends on where they go with a head coach. Because if you revive around Matt Ryan, get a guy who's been in the game for a little bit, right? Like a a Todd Bowles or a Raheem Morris, Jack Del Rio kind of guy. Or if you go rebuild, maybe go for a guy out of college. Really depends what Atlanta wants to do. They'll have a pretty decent draft pick. So we'll kind of see the direction where the Falcons want to go. The New York Jets are an absolute disaster. They're a train wreck. They're a dumpster fire. And they need a culture change more than anybody in the National Football League. They haven't been good in over a decade. They need a Sean McVay. You know, if, if anybody needs 
like that young guy, like a you know what a McVeigh, a Lafleur, a Shanahan. It's the Jets. They need that guy. So the two guys that I have here are the Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, brilliant at do at making call trains. Look at Matt Rule, that of Carolina. I didn't have a lot of faith in him coming in. I was like, eh, you know, yeah, okay, that's great. You did great things at Baylor, but will it translate to the NFL? Carolina was a really scrappy team this year. Like, I know the record doesn't really show it, and they didn't even have Christian McCaffrey for like half the season. But Matt Rule did a really good job with Carolina, and they're moving in the right direction. So maybe Pat Fitzgerald might be like that. So the Jets could go in that direction. Another guy, Josh McDaniels. He's been with New England for all these years. Maybe this is his opportunity to get his chance to completely change. Because guess what? You're either going to get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. After that semifinal game the other night, now it's looking like, hmm, maybe Jacksonville might take Justin Fields and number one and the Jets might end up with Lawrence after all. So you're going to get one of those two guys. So automatically, you know, the quarterback situation is going to be pretty decent. Because you're going to have one of those two guys to work with. The Jets need to nail this coaching decision because they have the second overall pick and they have a chance of getting a generational quarterback. Maybe Justin Fields isn't a generational guy, but Trevor Lawrence has been hyped to be that guy. And I think Justin Fields personally is going to thrive, but they got to bring in the right head coach there. The Jets, this is their opportunity and they need to do it because the Bills are way ahead of the game right now. The Dolphins also way ahead of the game right now. The Bills and Dolphins look in prime possession to fight for the AFC East for years to come. Can the New York Jets be in that position? Because if not, don't count out Bill Belichick ever. Because if they retool that roster, the Patriots might not be, you know, in dead last anymore. Jets got to get this one right. Jacksonville, fire Doug Marone. Same thing here. You need a guy, a culture change in Jacksonville. They had it right. I personally like Doug Marone. I think he'll be a great coordinator somewhere. But it looks like the Jaguars are going to try and lure in Urban Meyer, who's been working at Fox for the past few years, did great things at Ohio State. I, I honestly think that might not be a bad idea because Jacksonville, similar to the Jets, they're, they're bringing in a new guy, right? And they have a top two pick. So by bringing in a college guy who knows Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence might not be a bad idea. So Urban Meyer you know, might not be a bad pick. Last but not least, the Los Angeles Chargers who fired Anthony Lynn earlier today. Listen, I I personally like Anthony Lynn. I do. He's a great coach, great guy. Earned Honestly, I gained a lot of respect from him from watching Hard Knocks, but obviously it wasn't enough. They lost a lot of football games. The two guys that I like here are Lincoln Riley, head coach of Oklahoma, or Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers. The Chargers are good. They just need stability, and they need a guy like almost like a Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is a, is a hard nosed guy, and like Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians and Ron Rivera are kind of the same. That's what the Chargers need because the Buccaneers and the Chargers, I think, were the same before Bruce Arians got to Tampa. Tampa had a lot of great young talent: the Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and Godwin, and all these guys, Levante David, and such. So, and then they bring in Bruce Arians. And and now they're pretty good, right? They went and got Tom Brady. Now they're really good. That, I feel, is the same with the Chargers. Justin Herbert had a fantastic year. You got Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. You got Joey Bosa. 
this is a good Chargers team with a lot of talent if they can get the right coach who knows how to help this team win games because that's been the problem for the Chargers. They finished off the season winning, I think, four and five in a row. If the Chargers can learn how to get a coach who can help them win football games, the Chargers could be in luck and they could be a, a wildcard team next year. I really do. Todd Bowles is an interesting is an interesting coach. He did a few good things with the Jets when he was a head coach. And Lincoln Riley might be a low-key good guy to bring into Los Angeles. But we'll see what happens in the month of January. Who hires who? Who gets it right? And on future episodes, we'll break down all the hires and kind of go through grades and such there. But we'll see. But good luck to my guy, Robert Sala. I hope he ends up with a job. So after recapping 17 weeks of regular season NFL football, it's finally January, which can only mean one thing. It's finally time to break down playoff football as the 2020-2021 NFL playoffs are set to begin this coming weekend with Super Wild Card Weekend. Of course, two extra Wild Card Weekends have been added this year as only two teams get a bye week. Congratulations to the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs for earning the number one seeds in their respective conferences. They will get this week off. Having said that, the wild card matchups are set in the AFC. Indianapolis will go to Orchard Park to take on the Bills. The Ravens will go to Tennessee to take on the Titans and the Browns and Steelers will play for the third time this year. In the NFC, the Rams will go to Seattle to play the Seahawks for the third time this year. The Bears will go to New Orleans to take on the Saints, and the Buccaneers will go to Washington. So we'll start off by previewing the first game on Saturday at 1.05 Eastern Time on CBS. It will be the Colts at the Bills. This is the first meeting this season that they will face. And a nice headline here, Frank Reich, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, returns to the team that drafted him. He was drafted by the Bills in the 80s. Reich started for Buffalo in the playoffs in 1993. And that is where Frank Reich will return to Buffalo. For the first time in 25 years, the Bills will host a playoff game against the Colts. So the Bills, 13-3, they won the AFC East. Obviously, as I've mentioned many times, won for the first time since 1995. The Bills are red hot. I mean, these guys are smacking the daylights out of their opponents they have won their last six games by 10 points or more they've beaten their last three opponents by 20 points or more Stefan Diggs has been on a roll and he's got plenty of playoff experience with the Vikings the defense has some experience pieces and Josh Allen will make his second career playoff start of course he started last year against Houston where he lost as for the Colts they're 11 and 5 they came in second place in the AFC South they hold the seven seed Phillip Rivers has plenty of experience with the Chargers in the playoffs, so Rivers has been here, done that. The run game has been heating up a late at the right time. Jonathan Taylor's been on a roll. The Colts' defense has been stingy at times, one of the best in the league. But will the loss of Anthony Costanzo on the offensive line play a factor? We'll have to see in this game. Some key headlines between the Bills and the Colts. How will Josh Allen fare in his second playoff game? And this, I think, is one of the biggest things heading into this game because Josh Allen had a really good game against the Texans. He really did. But this game, can he take it to the next level? And will the emotions be too much for Buffalo considering it is their first home playoff game in such a long time? Will the emotions get some? How will they handle that? And really just the experience. And Phillip Rivers, who's an experienced guy, will that show in this game? And is this his last run as the quarterback? This is such an interesting game to me. Very fascinating. I think Buffalo is the favorite. But 
if Indy can find a way to slow down Josh Allen, that is going to be the key in this game. I like this Colts defense. I really do. They got some studs up there. They got my guy Defoe in there. But this Bills team is just playing so, so, so good. And can Phillip Rivers duel Josh Allen? That's the question. And I don't know if the Colts have enough to duel the Bills in this one. The, the Colts like to control clock, run the football, play with defense. While the Bills, they just like to score, 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 score. This can be a great game. Bills, Colts. The Saturday game at 1 o'clock should be an awesome game. Fans will be in the stadium. Can't wait for that. Bills Mafia, they deserve to be there for that game. Bills Colts should be a good one. Rams Seahawks, second game on Saturday, 4.40 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. That's the third time they're meeting this season. They split the season series. The Rams won in L.A. in Week 10, 23-16. The Seahawks took the second meeting in Week 16, 20-9 to win the NFC West. Seattle won the NFC West for the first time since 2016. They're 12-4. and The defense started out horrible in the beginning of the season, but they're starting to really pick it up down the stretch. The offense has been the opposite. They were cooking early, and now they've kind of taken a dip. It took them a lot to kind of get going against San Francisco on Sunday. The Seahawks have some key losses against the Rams, Giants, Bills, and Cardinals. And they haven't had a lot of key wins. Like They haven't faced New Orleans. They haven't faced Tampa Bay. And they haven't faced Green Bay at all. So the, my question is, I think Seattle is favored to win in this game, considering there is a good possibility there's no Jared Goff. But can Seattle progress further than the divisional round? That's going to be the question. But I think we'll get to that once we get to the divisional round, if the Seahawks get there. But the, the Rams are not going to be an easy out, and especially if they have Jared Goff. But it's looking like right now, John Wolford is the favorite to get the start if Jared Goff is not healthy enough. And health is a huge question for the LA Rams. I mean, not only did they, did they not have Goff yesterday, they didn't have Cooper Cup, they didn't have Michael Brockers on defense, and they didn't have Andrew Whitworth. So the Rams are not healthy. If they are not healthy and don't and don't have some of those guys going into this game, I do not, I certainly don't like the Rams' chances going into Seattle in the postseason. Obviously, there's not going to be the 12th man, but, you know, and, and how that affects games is going to be very interesting to see without the 12th man, do the Rams come in with more confidence? Because usually when you got to say, oh, we got to go up to Seattle in the postseason, it's not usually a good thing, but this is, this is a tad bit different, so it'll be interesting to see that, but I think the Rams are going to be very heavily reliant on the defense with Aaron Donald and crew. The Rams have some key wins this year against the Bucks, Seahawks. They did lose to Buffalo and Miami, and they have that really bad loss to the Jets. But yeah, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting game. But I think Seattle has the edge right now, and it really just depends on how healthy the Seahawks are into this game. But whichever defense steps up and makes the play, I think, is the one that's going to win this game. Are there, is it going to be the Rams' defense that makes the big play? Or is it going to be the Seahawks' defense that comes up with the big play? And obviously, ultimately, both teams like to run the football Whoever runs the football the best is going to win this game. But I like the Seahawks. If Jared Goff's not in there, I like Seattle. But even if Jared Goff is in there, I don't know how confident he'll be considering it's a broken thumb that he's dealing with. The Buccaneers will go to Washington on Saturday night, 8-15 on NBC. This is their first meeting of the season. The Buccaneers, 11-5. They're the five seed in the NFC. Tom Brady, this is his first playoff game with a new team and in a new conference, I think. All eyes are going to be on Brady. All eyes are going to be on on Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski in this game. And 
there's no more time to experiment for Tampa Bay. There's been a lot of times of, oh, they have the regular season to, you know, to mesh and, you know, they got to play together. I think the Buccaneers have slowly gotten there. They haven't lost since week 12. This is a much differently focused Tampa Bay team, but they haven't played anyone. I mean, they had their big win against Green Bay, but then you look at their losses this season. They've all been against playoff teams. They got swept by the Saints. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to the Rams. And they lost to the Chicago Bears. So the Buccaneers, they've beaten the teams they've supposed to beat. But they haven't fared very well against the teams that, they're, that, they, that they need to beat. The playoff teams. And they haven't fared well against those. Washington is a team they're supposed to beat. I think the Buccaneers are heavily favored in this game. Having said that, Washington's defense is very good. And, and Washington did manage to beat the Steelers. The Niners, they swept the Eagles and the Cowboys. Washington is a very stingy team, but do I think that they can beat this Buccaneers team? That's a a tough ask, but Chase Young. Chase Young, I think, is the the key in this game for Washington's defense. And can Alex Smith play with Tom Brady? I, I, I don't know if he can. I just don't think Washington has enough offensive weapons compared to Tampa, who's just loaded with offensive weapons. It's, it's going to be an interesting game. It is. I think Washington will they will be a very interesting task for Tampa Bay, and it'll be an interesting matchup. But of course, Mike Evans is injured. We'll see if he plays or not. But Washington coming in seven and nine NFC East champions, the first seven and nine playoff team since the 2010 Seahawks. But I think Washington will give it their best effort. Ron Rivera has been there. He's been to the playoffs before. But I think ultimately the Bucks will come out on top to Sunday. The Ravens and the Titans will kick things off at 105 Eastern Time on ABC and ESPN. What a game this is going to be. I mean, out of all the six games, I think this is the one that I am most excited for. This is the second meeting this season. Week 11, they met. Tennessee won in overtime, 30-24. to There's a ton of bad blood between these two teams. Of course, there was the whole thing where the Titans went to midfield and had a team meeting and when they played Baltimore in Week 11, and Baltimore got pissed off at that. This is going to be a crazy game. I mean, we know they played last year in the playoffs and and Tennessee rolled Baltimore when they were the one seed. This is going to be something else and I cannot wait for this one. Tennessee is so good. Baltimore is so good. They've won five straight. Baltimore really came alive. I feel like their signature win was that game against Cleveland in week 14. I think that is really when, I think on national television, people really looked at Baltimore and said, wow, this team can really light it up. I know they've had some bad losses. They got swept by Pittsburgh. They had a bad loss in Foxborough. Lost to the Chiefs. But the Ravens are playing really, really good football. This game's going to be crazy. And can they contain Derrick Henry? And can the Titans con- control Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore run game? Both teams love to run the football. Who can control their emotions the best? I feel like there's going to be some jab and there's going to be a lot of trash talking in this one. I am very excited for the Ravens-Titans game on Sunday afternoon. That's going to be a classic. Bears-Saints, second game on Sunday at 4.40 on CBS. Bears at the Saints. This is a big one for the Saints. It really is. I think, obviously, we know they've had a lot of, you know, misfortune in the playoffs. Last year, losing to the Vikings, losing to the Rams before that, losing to the Vikings again before that in 2018. It's been a tough ride. And, obviously, we don't know, will Alvin Kamara play or not? That's a big question mark. And we know that they need Alvin Kamara to play in this game, to win this game. But I think the, I think the Saints will be fine either way. I don't think the Bears will prove to be, you know, a big enough threat in this game. 
I feel like they have a chance, but they can they slow down the Saints offense? That's the key. The Bears did beat the Bucks in week five, but they've lost to a lot of playoff teams, including the Colts, Rams. They lost the Saints earlier, lost the Titans, got swept by the Packers. And then the, the Saints had their, you know, bad losses early in the year. They lost the Eagles and the Chiefs later in the year. The Eagles, I think, was a bad loss, but I think this is a game that the Saints should take should be able to take care of in this one. I don't think the Bears will be a big threat, but let's see. Let's see how Mitchell Trubisky plays in his second game. It'll be interesting, but I like the Saints. The Browns at the Steelers to finish it off. 8-15 Sunday night football. The third meeting, the third meeting this season. Steelers won the first one, 38-7. Browns won the second one, of course, to clinch the playoffs spot 24-22. The first one was a disaster back in week six for Cleveland. But the Steelers started out 11-0. They've lost the last four or five. They're not very healthy. The Browns broke their 18-year playoff drought. This is going to come down to the Browns. Can they run the football and control the clock? And will the Steelers be healthy enough to show up? I don't know if the Steelers can go further than wildcard weekend. I don't. I think the Chiefs, the Bills, the Titans, and the Ravens are playing lights out football right now. The Steelers have lost four of the last five. I just don't I know they had that nice win against Indy, but I just don't know if they have enough to go beyond the divisional round or, or sorry, beyond wildcard weekend. But Cleveland, they're inexperienced. Baker Mayfield, how will he perform in his playoff debut? How will Kevin Stefanski coach in his playoff debut as a head coach? It's going to be a really interesting game here. I like the Steelers based off of experience, but I think the Browns will prove to be a very tough out. And the Browns, if we get the Browns from that Monday night game against the Ravens and the same Browns team that beat the Titans earlier in the year as well, the Steelers could be done on Sunday night. This is going to be a very interesting game. Looking forward to it. So I like the Steelers over the Browns. I like the Saints over the Bears. Ravens, Titans. I'm going to go Ravens. I think Ravens are going to beat the Titans this time. I think the Titans have beat them twice last time. The Ravens are red hot. I'll take the Bucks over Washington. I will take Seattle over the Rams. And I'll take the Bills over the Colts and Wild Card Weekend. Cannot wait. Going to be a great Wild Card round. Six games. Cannot go wrong. But that Ravens Titans game, Ravens Titans game, is going to be something else. And that is it for this week's episode of the Forty Nine Away Podcast. Hope everyone enjoys Wild Card Weekend. Should be a great one. Six games there. Don't forget to give the Forty Nine Away a follow on Instagram for more Forty ers news and analysis. And we will see you next week where we will recap Wild Card Weekend and preview the divisional round ahead. And of course, we will wrap up the 49ers 2020 season in another episode. So there will be two episodes next week. Hope everyone has a great week and enjoys Wild Card Weekend. <laughs>